The Art of Spiritual Warfare, Part 8, by B.M.E. Cheney. In previous broadcasts, we've talked about angels and energy, alternate dimensions, planes, worlds, spheres, realms, and realities. We discussed the role of some angels and others less than angelic, but nonetheless with good intent, having been asked and tasked to perform specific assignments, perhaps being among us. When these things are spoken of and discussed in council, the debate seems perfectly natural, but it's easy to forget how difficult it may be for many human beings to fully grasp and embrace the species, true nature, and limitless potential. And this is due to several factors. Number one is the artificial conditioning that the human psyche has been subject to. Collectively, the species has adopted the mistaken belief in limitations that exist only in that part of the mind that believes itself to be omniscient, that is, the ego. It is the ego, the persona or personae we see reflected in a mirror or projected outward to convey a superficial veneer that believes it to be the reason for life as we know it in human form on the third dimension. In order for consciousness to manifest in form, it must transform through a sequence of electromagnetic frequency, energy levels, ranges of vibration. Pure energy is pure light. It is the most subtle, finely tuned essence on the spectrum of energy. In taking shape or form, energy conforms to the laws of universal physics metaphysics. Energy cannot be destroyed, but only changes in shape or form, according to the source from which it came and or to which it returns. In order to manifest in the third dimension, for example, the consciousness proceeds in a descent from the more subtle frequencies of energy to the grosser, this process inevitably envelops the consciousness in what can be described as five distinct bodies, forming one whole individual body on the material planes. Imagine awakening slowly from a deep sleep, cocooned in layer after layer of cotton. You can breathe through the layers. You can see through the layers, but your sight is limited. You feel more than you can actually perceive, and underlying feelings sometimes lead to isolation and insecurity and or confusion upon awakening in this cocoon, and this results in a kind of paralysis. And so it may feel easier and more comfortable to allow other bodies, both those belonging to the individual and to those 
outside of the individual to make decisions for us, to take care of business, while we search endlessly for a distraction from the fact that we're squandering the opportunity to grow and develop into maturity as intelligent, sentient beings capable of and willing to recognize and wield the endless resource of infinite energy we were designed to channel and utilize productively. As we continue to awaken to our third dimensional existence and multifaceted design, the first order of business then is getting ourselves together, reining in the energies that impact our state of being. We establish a persona or personae for the purpose of navigating this world. Oftentimes we forget that what we project to ourselves and others is just that, a projection. Our persona is only a reflection of the being in toto, and therefore it is two-dimensional in nature and does not reveal the whole nature of our being. We can get lost in the idea that our persona, our ego, is superior to all other parts of our being. But we do the same with emotional energy. Instead of transmuting the energy and focusing on redirecting it into productive channels, we often cling to the remnants of the elementals hitching a ride and seed our free will and choice to a roller coaster that leaves us conjuring up gut-wrenching scenarios in which we are ruled by emotion, powerless to resist the sway of indulging in them as we develop a negative feedback loop mechanism that rewards us with brief temporary pleasure or satisfaction, but only leaves a bitter taste in the mouth, instills further doubt and fear of the innermost voice that tries to guide us through this very complex journey of life lived within a physical form. Many call this life an illusion. However, the real illusion is denial of our state of being as real during the time or moment of consciousness in which we may finally realize ourselves as being. The human experience and incarnation has been sold to the species as some sort of punishment for breaking universal law, and therefore all of humanity is doomed to suffer the same horrific consequences for actions stemming from our first ancestors, and we can never be rid of the cloak of blame and shame, and will always repeat past mistakes into infinity, frantically spinning around on a wheel of some sort, in pursuit of everything except the courage to face the truth. This cycle is easily broken if we simply determine to do so. We needn't accept conditioned conformity. We need only prefer to one another the same dignity and respect we ask for ourselves in order to de-seed the dark cloud following us around clouding our vision and our intellect and intuition. Excuse me.
Pardon me. Let's continue. Clouding our intellect and our vision. Preventing us from imagining ourselves as always being bathed in light. The complexity of integrating the energy bodies under the direction of the higher consciousness is only one reason for issuing unconventional spiritual warriors into the dimension in which a contest is being held. Being human is not easy. Erecting artificial barriers to accessing our true nature is what is known to the more primitive of mind as black magic. To the awakened consciousness, these barriers are seen for what they truly are. Artificiality induced by a playing on or appealing to the ego and or emotions in such a way as to denigrate or discourage full immersion into the human experience. This is accomplished as negative aspects of energy are promoted over and above the positive, inducing fear, self-doubt, continued paralysis, and an unhealthy fixation of the mind and or emotions to the exclusion of the holistic being. There is no way to know, to comprehend, to completely understand, and therefore be able to integrate the complexity of the human condition without having lived it. Subsets of the species are all subject to similar limitations and similar abilities, though the degree in which these things manifest is dependent on multiple factors. Just as one of the planet's most beloved members, Dr. Martin Luther King stated, a species isn't judged by its color. An intelligent species is judged on the content of its intrinsic character because character requires us to master nature and human nature is a most formidable opponent. Mastering human nature requires balance, a steady mind, steady stance, steady gaze, gaze, vigilance, conscious awareness, strength and flexibility to meet the physical and mental and emotional challenges of daily living, endurance and fortitude, conserving and using energy wisely and having the capability of disarming an armed foe while unarmed. We repeat, being human isn't easy. And so in determining the outcome of, let's say for literary purposes, an imaginary epic battle raging between good and evil, with the scales appearing to be leaning toward the not-so-good side. Judging from the outside, one might rely on a limited perspective and for convenience sake, toss everyone on either side into the same handbasket and send it on a one-way ride to wherever. 
Instead of weeding through the motley crew and hand-picking the rotten apples out of the barrel, you decide the fate of an entire species because of the actions of individuals rather than do the harder work of enforcing consequences on the individual themselves. This can be a problem scenario when arguing in favor of a species for one thing or another if you're not equipped to represent them, having actually been there, done that. Not that annihilation of any species is something that would ever be left in the hands of any human or any other intelligent, sentient being. But you still have a rogue element here and there among those everywhere along the spectrum of electromagnetic frequency that permeates and initiates all forms of matter found outside of the spiritual realms. Most of the time, the static or noise that emanates from negative energy, whether from the subconscious of or due to a somnolent consciousness or knowingly from a conscious entity, can be ignored. Just don't engage. Don't provide recognition or feed these things your emotional energy. Move on. When the collective of a like-minded consciousness, capable of discerning right versus wrong, coalesces to form one new entity with the intent of doing only harm, that is when the line of tolerance is crossed. And that is when the judo starts hitting the fan and impacting far more than anyone's species or world's or galaxy's survival. Look at it this way. Trying to undo something after it's done is harder than nipping a problem in the bud. <laughs> Imagine a couple million spoiled, rotten, grown children throwing temper tantrums simultaneously. Now imagine the noise and chaos ratcheting up and up until you're almost ready to give in just for a moment's peace and quiet. Don't do it. If you're really dedicated to teaching a humane life lesson to someone, it's better to bear the brunt of a backlash, standing compassionately firm, than to give in and have the next time, and there will be a next time, having gotten away with it once, be even worse. During our discussions, we've determined that just because you can't see something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And there's no way for anyone to know everything. There's also such a thing as too much stimuli as well as too little. And we know it's difficult trying to separate the mind from the body and the emotions. And it is even more difficult getting the different parts of the whole to cooperate. Every body wants to be number one. Cerebral egotistic, narcissistic, empathic, or perhaps even a portal to some cosmic nirvana nanana. Everything competes for the attention, trying to turn its gaze outward, often to the detriment of taking care of business inwardly. On a personal note, I've experienced firsthand 
my share of alternate realities. What I don't appreciate is someone trying to gaslight me about this, that, or the other. You're going to have to present some rock-solid evidence to get me to blink. I just don't have the time nor the inclination to shoot the bull these days. Cut to the chase. We can always double back. Gotcha. (laughs) And rewind the moment. After everyone is either on the same page or at least agreeing to disagree. If it isn't evident by now, there's a storm that's been brewing. We've rolled in and out of some squalls, and it may feel like you've been hit by a truck. But the real thunder and lightning hasn't even started yet. Catch your breath when you can. Right now, there's a damp, static electric feeling in the air and a high-pitched buzzing noise vibrating above every other sound. It reminds me of the game we used to play as kids, Statue. Kind of like you're it, only when you caught someone and tapped them, they had to freeze in position. Wow, I am old. (laughs) But where did that come from? Why would I think of the game Statue? In this moment, time has frozen. We just don't realize it yet. You see, if we are unable to discern as a species, as one race of beings, the most fascinating, by the way, when we require a timeout, then we'll be subject to manipulation of the quote-unquote space-time continuum because somebody has to do something that will enable us to individually and collectively come to our senses to reawaken those organs of perception that will allow us to refocus and move beyond artificial limitations because we're not children afraid of the monster in the closet anymore. We welcome the confrontation with our vivid imaginations, if only to wave them away if our imaginings are uninvited.